Welcome to the Celebration Church Podcast. We are so glad you've joined us and we hope you are encouraged by today's message. Good morning, church. How are we? Hey, welcome to Celebration. Hey, can we keep clapping for all of our campuses and everyone watching online right now? Orange Park, St. John's, Church Online, really glad to have you here. And my name's Clay, I'm our sub-30 young adult pastor here at Celebration Church. It is a privilege to preach God's Word to you today. If you have your Bible, go ahead and get it out. We're gonna open up to the book of Luke. We're gonna get there in just a second. I do obviously always want to thank uh, Pastor Stovall and Pastor Kerry for the opportunity to preach. It's a great privilege. I thought of even over the course of this year, can you believe the year's like halfway over? It goes by so fast, but even over the course of the year, we've had some amazing uh, communicators on this stage. I mean, Bishop T.D. Jakes and Pastor Brian Houston and Christine Kane and so many, and, and it's, it's an honor. To, to preach, and uh, it's something I love to do, something I feel called to do, and uh, I'm excited to preach to you this morning. And so I do wanna say, uh, if you are not coming to the preview night for Celebration College, you need to be tomorrow night. It's gonna be a fantastic time. Um, I help oversee that area of church life, so I'm really excited about it, and I hope to see you there. It's gonna be great. As you can see behind me, we have been in a series on Sunday mornings called Ghost Stories. It's a series on the Holy Spirit. And uh, if you have not been uh, with us the past several weeks, you need to go to celebration.org, listen to some of the messages that Pastor Stovall has been leading us through in this Holy Spirit series. It's been phenomenal and uh, just really bringing a lot of clarity and understanding to the person of the Holy Spirit. And we're gonna stay in the series today and uh, I'm excited about it. And so you uh, should be, maybe Luke chapter four is where we're gonna go. I need to tee this up for us real quick um, because I need to let you know a little bit about what happened in chapter three before we get in to chapter four. So Luke chapter three, what's happening is uh, John the Baptist is preaching like a madman, right? Just, just fiery, just old school Pentecostal preacher, right? He's just preaching, preaching, preaching. People are getting saved. Tons of people are getting water baptized. Jesus shows up at the Jordan River and Jesus also gets baptized. The Spirit then, the Holy Spirit, descends on Jesus in the form of a dove, and then God the Father speaks audibly, like that's pretty cool right there, he speaks audibly. I'm 30 years old, I've never heard God speak audibly. I, I imagine he sounds like either Morgan Freeman or, or James Earl Jones, right? One of the two. Like if we all get to heaven and God sounds like the old man from Sandlot, I'm gonna be like, this is amazing. So. Uh, but, but God speaks audibly in this moment, right? Holy Spirit, dove, God speaks audibly. And he says three things about Jesus. He says, you're my son, I love you, and I'm pleased with you. And that's where we're gonna pick up in our reading. Luke chapter four, starting in verse one, it says this. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, everyone say Holy Spirit. All right, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them he was very hungry. The devil said to him, if you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become bread. And Jesus answered, it's written, man shall not live on bread alone. The devil led him to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor. It's been given to me and I can give it to anyone I want to. If you worship me, it will all be yours. And Jesus answered, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. 
The devil then led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down from here. For it's written, he'll command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They'll lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered, it is said, do not put the Lord your God to the test. And when the devil had finished all of his tempting, he left him until an opportune time. Verse 14, Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. And news about him spread throughout the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues and everyone praised him. He then went to Nazareth where he had been brought up and on the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue as was his custom. He stood up to read and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began by saying to them, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Now skip down to verse 28. Verse 28, all the people in the synagogue were furious when they heard this. They got up, drove him out of town, and they took him to the brow of a hill on which the town was built in order to throw him off the cliff. But he walked right through the crowd and went on his way. Like, isn't that, that's, that's Jesus, man. That's a bad dude right there. He's like, y'all ain't killing me today. I don't think so. So just walked right through the crowd. Verse 31, then he went down to Capernaum, a town in Galilee, and on the Sabbath he taught the people and they were amazed at his teaching because his words had authority. It's awesome, his words had authority. If you're taking notes in our series, uh, I've entitled today's message, Spirit-Led. We're gonna talk about what it looks like to be Spirit-Led people. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you that it is living, it's alive. It's not like any other book on our shelves at home, God. Pray that you would speak to us today, Lord. I pray that we would not just be hearers of your word, let us be doers of your word. God, let it encourage us, let it inspire us. For those who are downcast and walking around in tough times, God, let hope come back and lift our head up. I pray in Jesus' name. Lord, we love you and it's a privilege to be in your house this morning, in Jesus' name. Everyone said amen. amen. Awesome. Hey, uh, yeah, you can clap. Come on, if you wanna clap, we'll clap. Hey, the most common question that I get asked by people and young adults, right? I minister mostly to college students and young adults. The most common question I always get, uh, without doubt, is in regards to uh, their future and what God has for them as an individual. Uh, so, so in other words, what they're basically asking is, I'm not sure where the Holy Spirit is leading me. I'm not sure what God is leading me to do. They're, they're sure of a couple things. You know, they, they feel like I wanna be led by God. I know that. Like, I want to be led by God. I, I want his will to be done in my life, but I just don't know what his will is. I, I don't know where he wants to lead me. I don't know what, what I should be doing. I, I wanna be spirit-led. How do I be spirit-led? And, and what happens is inevitable for this person. To the person who is praying, God, lead me. God, show me. God, I want, I want you to lead. I want you to show me. What always happens then is they are presented with like two or more options. You could go here, 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 here. And, and, and now these options are all in play. And when this particular scenario comes, there's always the biggest wrong assumption in people's minds. And the wrong assumption is this. They're looking at all of these options and the wrong assumption is if it looks tough or trying, then it must not be God. 
Must not be God. Because after all, like, God, that, that's, that's not God. I mean, God, God, God is the God we read in the Bible. I mean, he, he leads me beside still waters and into green pastures. And this, this doesn't look like green pastures right here. This looks like a lot of work. This looks really tough. This looks really trying. I mean, certainly this is not God. And it's, it's one of the biggest wrong assumptions. And, and, and you gotta understand this, that yes, God will lead you to green pastures, but oftentimes green pastures, the way there is through the wilderness. It's through the desert. See, yeah, I, I've, uh, I've lived long enough to know this. Everybody wants Canaan, but no one wants to walk through the wilderness. Everyone wanna get to the promised land. Everyone wanna get to the peaceful place. Every, but no one wants to wage war and walk through the desert. But yet that is at times where the Holy Spirit will lead us. And today what I wanna do is I wanna look at Luke chapter three and Luke chapter four. And, and hopefully we can understand this. Sometimes, church, sometimes you're, you're in a wilderness, listen to me, not because God left you. You're in a wilderness, not because God has abandoned you. Sometimes you're in the wilderness because it was God himself who led you there. And we're gonna look at what this means for us and how the Holy Spirit leads us to different places. Jesus in these two chapters was led by the Spirit to multiple places. We're gonna look today at what that means for us and how we can gain some revelation out of all of this. So if you like taking notes, here's point number one. The first place Jesus was led, Jesus was led to the Jordan River. Jesus was led to the Jordan River. The Jordan River is gonna signify two things for us today. The first one is this, it was a place of obedience. Obedience was the first act on Jesus' part. The Bible says in Luke chapter three, verse 21, when all the other people were being water baptized, Jesus was baptized also. He entered into that act of obedience. Matthew chapter three tells us that his baptism was an act of righteousness that he fulfilled the Father's will by publicly identifying himself in this way. So Jesus models beautifully in front of all of us an act of obedience. But then comes the second thing that the Jordan River signifies. The second thing is this, assurance. Assurance. Immediately after his obedience, he receives assurance from the Father. God the Father literally speaks out loud and says three things. All the family, all the friends, everyone there. Here's these three assuring things that God says about Jesus. He says, you're my son, I love you, and I'm pleased with you. Like what greater assurance could we ever ask for than the Father to say this of us? This is a pretty assuring thing that now comes to Jesus. But catch this, church, Jesus was obedient first, then came assurance. Jesus was obedient, then came assurance. I'm convinced that one of the enemy's greatest weapons and plans is to try to unassure every believer of their salvation, love, and acceptance in Jesus Christ. I think that's what the enemy, because if the enemy can unassure you, then you walk around life with question marks all over the place. Am I loved? I don't know. I mean, am I a son of God? I've done a lot of things that I don't, I don't look like Jesus. I, sometimes I don't act like Jesus. And if he can unassure you, he's winning the battle in your mind. You gotta remind yourself that when you said yes to Jesus Christ in salvation, that act of obedience to salvation, in that moment, there's great assurance that comes to your life. You're a son and a daughter of God. He loves you. He's pleased with you. That's a very assuring thing. Come on, anybody grow up in church, blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine, heirs of salvation, purchased of God, born of his spirit, washed in his blood. That's an assuring thing that comes to us in our act of obedience to salvation in Jesus Christ. And God, I thought about this, I wrote this down in my notes. When I say God is pleased with you, hear me church, God is not just pleased with some future version of you. A lot of people feel like, you know, well, he might not like me so much right now, but, but like after I give him 20 years of my life, I mean, he'll be pleased with me down the road. God's pleased with your obedient acts now. 
The Bible says this, the Bible says, despise not the day of small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. God's not just excited about one day when you've done a lot of good stuff for him down the road. God rejoices in the beginning of the work. God rejoices in the acts of obedience now. See, that's a whole, some of us, some of us think God loves us, but he might not really like me right now. No, no, God's pleased with your obedience now. He's, he's pleased with you, and that's an assuring thing. Don't let the enemy question God's love for you and, and, and the joy that should be coming into your life, man. It was a great place of assurance here at the Jordan River. Jesus was obedient, and great assurance came to his life about who he is, who he is, his identity. I'm a son of God, I'm loved, and he's pleased with me. The second place Jesus was led is Jesus was led to the wilderness. He was led to the wilderness. Now this place represents testing and trials. Testing and trials. Now we're gonna spend maybe the majority of our time right here at this place today because it's the hardest pill to swallow for some people. Like here's the question a lot of people have. Why on earth, like why would the Holy Spirit lead Jesus, or us for that matter, into the wilderness? God, why would, why would you even do that? You could lead us so many places. Why would you lead me into the, into the wilderness? The wilderness is a place for dead things. The wilderness, it's a dry place in the wilderness. It's a, it's a tiring place. It's a lonely place. It's harsh and difficult in the wilderness. God, why would you lead me here? You know, the desert and the wilderness, for some people, it looks like this. It looks like a place of not enough money or resources. Maybe that's a wilderness that you know quite well. Maybe it's a place of too much work to handle. This is, this is just too much, I'm overwhelmed, I, I, can't, I can't make it. Maybe it's a place of, of, of the long way to where you wanna go. Haven't we all had that question in life? Like, God, this is where I wanna go, but we seem to be going way out of the way to get there. Like, it just, it would, God, I mean, you know, you've been around thousands of years, but if I could just tell you real quick, this seems really like a straight path, and I don't really understand this path. Sometimes that's your wilderness. Sometimes that's the wilderness. Sometimes the wilderness is a place that has nothing to do with what you wanna do. God, this is my calling. I feel like this is where I wanna go. I don't understand why I'm working this job when in my heart I should be working this job. Come on. Sometimes that's a, a wilderness. God, I don't understand. I don't understand why you would lead me here. Sometimes it's just frustration. It's loneliness. It's, it's constant doors of opportunity closing in your face. God, I really thought this was the one. Really thought this was the opportunity and the door just shut. Really don't know what's happening here. What's going on? Maybe that's your wilderness. Have you ever felt like that? You ever been in a wilderness? You ever been in a desert like I, I've, I've been there before, and our immediate thought is this. Our immediate thought is, this can't be God. This, this can't be God, like I, I, this is not God. I've missed God somewhere. This, this absolutely cannot be God, but the truth is, church, um, sometimes, sometimes, God is the author of the desert, and he's the one who led you there. Now there's hope in all of this today. Don't lose hope in this, there's great hope in this, but sometimes God is the author, he led you there. You know, we sing songs in church like this. We sing songs that say, Spirit lead me where my trust is without borders. Let me walk upon the waters wherever you would call me. Take me deeper than my feet could ever wander and my faith will be made stronger in the presence of my Savior, right? It's a beautiful song. We all love it. Every time we sing in a church, hands up all over the place, no doubt. We all love that song. Spirit, lead me where my trust is without borders. But the fact of the matter is there's a lot of believers and your trust still has borders. Like, like I'll, I'll just preach it to myself, right? I'll just, sometimes I, I'm guilty that my trust still has borders. God, I love you, but I don't know about this one. I just don't know about this one. You're leading me out into the deep and the shallows look real nice right now, you know? I, I don't know, and our, and our trust still has, but unless the Holy Spirit lead us to the wilderness at times, then my faith can't be made stronger. 
My trust can't grow to new levels. I can't be strengthened in new heights. Sometimes, sometimes he's gotta lead us to the wilderness so that my faith can grow. You've heard this phrase before. You could even finish it for me. What doesn't kill you makes you stronger, right? That's the wilderness. That's the wilderness right there. That, the, the wilderness is a place where faith is strengthened. The wilderness is a place where trust is lifted, where hope is ignited, where dependency on Jesus goes to new levels. When you're in the wilderness, you ain't got nothing else. If God doesn't come through, I'm, I'm in a really bad place. Your dependency goes way, way up on Jesus Christ. Some of you think God's left you in the wilderness. He didn't leave you, he led you there. And he wants to do something in you while you're there. What doesn't kill us is gonna make us stronger. And I came to just tell some people today, look, what didn't kill Jesus in the wilderness won't kill you who are in Jesus Christ in the wilderness. It's just making you stronger. Every step of the way. Every step of the way. I, I need to remind you, this journey with Jesus Christ, it's not an elevator, it's stairs. You, you, gotta, you gotta remind yourself of that. It's not an elevator, it's stairs. The elevator is most certainly the quicker way to get to where we wanna go. The only problem is when you get to the top, you're not any stronger. But you take the stairs, oh, it's a little bit slower, but when you finally get to where God is leading you, you are stronger and healthier than you ever were when you first started. <laughs> Serving Jesus is stairs, baby, it's stairs. Take the stairs. They might, they might take a little while, but you are, you're gaining strength and health every step of the way, man. This is the wilderness. But listen, by defeating the devil, by defeating the enemy in the desert, here's what happens, right? You're in the wilderness. Enemy might be coming at you. You feel like you don't know what's going on. God's doing a work in you. By defeating the enemy in the desert, the Spirit's power becomes very pronounced in our lives goes to new levels, right? The Bible says this, the Bible says that Jesus was led into the wilderness, but he left in the power of the Holy Spirit, the power. So, so, so listen, church, the wilderness, if I can just be honest preacher up here today, uh, the wilderness is certainly not like my favorite like, time of following Jesus. Like it's not, like no one's like, yay, wilderness, awesome. Like no one's saying that. It's, it's not my favorite part, but it's at times the necessary part for us to gain strength and for the Spirit's power in us to be multiplied, for God to lead us to places like this. And the great hope is this, that you will never be led into any trial or test that Jesus has not already defeated. He, he's never gonna send you into a wilderness to face something he's not already beaten. So, so what happens because of Jesus is your trial is already his triumph. Your struggle's already his strength. Your, your valley is already his victory. Your war is already his win. He's already accomplished everything. He's, he's already done the work. He'll never ask you to, this is why I love, you know why I love God? I love Jesus because this, he can say some pretty crazy stuff to us at times, but he's already done it himself. He can look at us and say, hey, go through the wilderness. I've already been there. He can look at us and say, hey, pick up your cross because I already got mine. Like, like that's, that's a brilliant thing about our God is he's never putting anything on us that he hasn't already defeated and conquered himself. I love that about Jesus. You need some more hope this morning, understand this, a desert is, is never a desert when you're there with Jesus. It's never a desert when you're there with Jesus. Why? Because a desert can't always be a dry place when you're walking hand in hand with the living water. 
A desert can't always be a lonely place when you're there with the man who says, I'm a friend that sticks closer than a brother. A desert can't always be an isolated place when Jesus looks at us and says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Oh, a desert is no desert at all when you're there with Jesus. You need to understand I'm not alone in the wilderness. He's with me every step of the way. And when I look at this, I, I notice something in scripture, a very important word that you need to underline. It says this, it says Jesus was led into the wilderness, he wasn't pushed. He was led, he wasn't pushed. You and I will be led by the Holy Spirit into certain places, the wilderness being one of them. But understand this, when you're pushed, you're the first to go. Someone pushes you out, you, you gotta go first. But when you're led, somebody else is going first. And what the Holy Spirit is saying is he's saying, hey, grab my hand, take my hand, I will lead you into this place. It might be trying, it might be difficult, it might be harsh at times, but understand this, before you ever take one step, I've already taken two right in front of you. I'll prepare the way, I'll make a way when there seems to be no way. It's gonna be all right because we're being led by the Holy Spirit. Aren't you, aren't you so glad that following God isn't him pushing us into things, but rather his Holy Spirit leading us into things? Oh, it's a big, big difference. It's a big difference being led versus being pushed, right? Emmanuel, God with us, is who we serve. You know, the other important thing to note is this when it comes to the wilderness. Besides being a place where, where our strength is, is being taken to new levels and our faith and our trust, it, the wilderness is also a place of temptation, like we see it with Jesus, the devil comes and he was, he was there to fast and pray, right? Get, gain strength in God, but the devil comes and tries to tempt him in the wilderness. See, listen to this church, you, you need to understand this. Some place, uh, sometimes the same place that God will lead you to strengthen you is also the same place the enemy will try to use to deceive you and tempt you. The, the, it's, it's the same place, but, but two different things are trying to, to come at you. I, I could say it like this. What God gives to us as a test, Satan almost always uses as a temptation. Same place, same event. So, so say this with me. Everyone say, God does the leading. God does the leading. Satan does the tempting. See, sometimes I talk to people and, and they're confused. They say, I don't know why God's tempting me with this. No, God doesn't do the tempting. God never does the tempting. God does the leading, and in that same event, what might, you ha what might be happening is, is Satan's trying to do some tempting. God, God will lead us to a test for a positive purpose, trying to get us stronger, more full of faith, but the enemy's gonna come and try to tempt in that same environment. So, so let me give you a couple examples. Let's say this. Let's say there's a businessman. He's traveling uh, out of state, and he finds himself in a hotel uh, room with pornographic movie options, right? In, in God's eyes, this is just a test. It's a simple test. And should the man say no and refuse that stuff, what's gonna happen is that spirit power is gonna be more pronounced in his life. He's gonna be more empowered to say no to that in the future every time he says no, it's a simple test. But the enemy is gonna use that same hotel room and that same event to try to tempt and deceive and bring that man down. It's just a test in God's eyes. God, God wants you to be stronger from it. God wants you to, to gain ground. Defeat the enemy in it, but the enemy's gonna use it to tempt. Think of it like this, another example. Um, say you and your family go through a season where there's a lack of resources and finances. You feel like you don't have enough to make it through a particular month or year, and, and, and in God's eyes, this is just a test. It's just a simple test to exercise faith and trust that God's gonna pull through, he's got your back, M money and resources gonna come into your hands, we can exercise faith, but the enemy 
is gonna use that same scenario and event to bring doubt to your mind and, and to get you to deny the ability for God to move on your circumstances. Same event, same place. God's trying to test for, for a better outcome for you in the future. The enemies try to tempt to bring you down. And, and I thought about this. You know, Sometimes when, when people realize that, they get angry at God. God, I don't, that, God, that makes me mad. God, why would you even lead me to a place where the enemy has the ability to even tempt me? Why would you even, even put me in that position? That's not right, that's not fair. And what happens is people get so focused on the temptation that they completely lose sight of, no, no, this is a test and an opportunity for me to have a win, an opportunity for me to have a victory in Jesus Christ. They get so focused on the potential fall that they forget about potentially building up their strength and faith for the future. Don't let, don't let the temptation overwhelm you. Remind yourself, this is why I'm here. God has me here because he wants to see me excel and succeed in this area of my life. I thought about this, do you think Jesus was worried about meeting the devil in the wilderness? No. You think he was like, man, I'm really, I'm really kind of worried about this. I'm gonna go out there and the devil's gonna show up. I don't know what I'm gonna do. And no, he wasn't worried. Why wasn't Jesus worried? Well, for, for one, he was assured. He was an assured believer. You see, when you get assurance in your life, when you understand who you are, your spiritual identity in Jesus Christ, it makes the attacks of the enemy way, way, way more <laughs> unable to happen and I'm able to come against us because I'm an assured believer. Jesus knew he was assured. He just left the Jordan River. He just left God telling him some amazing things and he walks into the wilderness. He's not worried about the devil. And the second thing is Jesus knew he was being led. He wasn't pushed. Jesus knew I'm not even here by myself. The Holy Spirit's with me. Jesus was not afraid to meet the devil in the wilderness because he was assured of what he was there for, that he was gonna be more empowered leaving than when he even walked in. Consider this sequence, if you will. Um, he was led that he might be tested. He was tested that he might be prepared. And he was prepared that he might be empowered. He was led, yeah, he got tested, but the testing was to prepare him and the preparation was that he might be empowered on the other side. That's the wilderness and sometimes the Holy Spirit leads us there. Number three though, Jesus comes out of the wilderness and the third place is Jesus was led to Galilee. He was led to Galilee and this place represents power. The Bible tells us that after the time of testing in the wilderness is over, that Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. So, so church, however you wish to explain it, something happened to Jesus in the wilderness. Like something happened and he not only defeated the devil, but he returned from his victory with new power. How many of you ever been through some stuff in life and, and you went through your wilderness season and you went through some junk, but, but the God was good and God was faithful. You got to the other side and it was all of a sudden like new power was with you. It, it was like there was a new strength that you didn't have before. There was a new faith that you didn't know before. There was a new trust that you had never experienced before, but you only got it on the other side. You only got it after you had went through the thing and Jesus comes out of the wilderness and he's operating now in new power because of what he defeated and what he overcame in the wilderness. He was there for a time, yes, but he came out, man. There's something new about him. There's, there's another level there. That's what happens in our life. There's new power on the other side of your wilderness. There's greater trust, greater strength. So I say all that to say, don't bail out in the wilderness. Church, now is not the time to set up camp in the wilderness. Don't you set up camp. Don't you pitch a tent in the wilderness. You keep putting one foot in front of the other. You keep walking until the Holy Spirit leads you out because there's great power on the other side. Too many people camp in the wilderness. Don't do that. You keep walking, keep fighting, keep doing what God's called you to do and he'll be faithful to lead you out. The fourth thing is this, the fourth place is Jesus was led to Nazareth and Capernaum. Nazareth 
and Capernaum. These places represent freedom. Came out of the wilderness into new power when he went to Galilee. Now he comes into these two towns and, and there's freedom here. You see, where, where Jesus was led, when he went to Nazareth, that was where he grew up. Right, he grew up and he gets back there. He's, he's preaching with boldness. He's doing signs, wonders, miracles, all this kind of stuff. And the people in Nazareth hated him, wanted to kill him, right? That's a whole nother message about people who can't receive people in the right way, but they, but they weren't having it. They, they just, just we, don't, we don't want you that tried to kill him. And so he's like, whatever, you know, he gets up, he leaves, he goes to Capernaum. In Capernaum, he preached with the same boldness, the same passion, the same intensity, and the people in Capernaum loved him. They're like, this is amazing. Look at what they said. They said they were all amazed at his teaching because his words had authority. His words had authority. And I settled on freedom here for these two places because it seemed to encapsulate the fullness of Jesus' ministry. Because he's led by the Holy Spirit and moving in the power of the Holy Spirit. Listen, church, he is completely free to speak the truth with boldness without fear of what men might do to him. That's a, that's a freedom. When, when, when you're willing to speak, you, you see, there's some people, and, and you were in the wilderness, and, and God was faithful and good to you in the wilderness, but, but listen, if the enemy, if you didn't fear the enemy in the wilderness, you shouldn't be fearing people on the other side of the wilderness. There's a freedom that comes to your life that says, I know who my God is. He showed up for me back then. I know who he is. I know how good he is. I know how faithful he is. And if I wasn't scared of the devil, I'm sure not gonna be scared of you. And there's a freedom that comes over your life to speak boldly and declare boldly who you know know Jesus Christ to be for you your family oh that's that's freedom right there that's freedom that I, I'm going to proclaim Jesus in my workplace to my family in my sports areas in my school because there's a freedom that I only have now because of what I went through in the wilderness there's a freedom that comes on our life and Jesus was speaking free some people loved it some people hated it but he was going to do what he was going to do and that's speak boldly and have freedom in his life. So, so stand back and look at this full, this full sequence. First, there was an act of obedience, right? I think it's on the screen. There was an act of obedience in, in, in Jesus, right? For, for us, it's the obedience to salvation. We come surrendering our lives to Jesus Christ. In that obedient act, what happens is assurance comes to our life. God says great things about us. I, I love you. You're my son. You're my daughter. I'm pleased with you. Assurance comes to us. Then there's gonna inevitably come a moment in our life where we're gonna be led to some testing, in a wilderness, right? We're not gonna fret about it. We're not gonna get scared about it. We understand the Holy Spirit's with us. But on the other side of that testing is power. New power comes to our life. And then it leads us into a, a season of freedom where there's such an amazing freedom because of everything that God and the Holy Spirit have done in our life. As the band gets ready and, and joins me on stage, you know, I thought about this message and it's obvious that everyone wants to get to the freedom stage. Who doesn't, right? It's an amazing place to be, so free and got new power and the Holy Spirit's doing a great work in our life. And, you know, we all wanna get to the, to the freedom stage, but frankly, many people maybe in here today, uh, you're still in the wilderness. And you would say, I I'm still in the wilderness. I'm still trying to pass the test. I'm still trying to keep my head up in the midst of a difficult circumstance. I feel like I've been in this for months, years. I don't know what God's doing. I mean, I'm trusting them and I'm believing in them, but, but, I'm, but I'm in the wilderness right now for sure. So, so the word for you today is what? I, I wanna encourage you, I don't wanna leave here. Maybe you're in the wilderness, you're hoping to get to a place of power and freedom, but, but this is where you're at. So, so I wanna give you something today if you find yourself in the wilderness. Remember these three simple truths. Number one, you're not there by accident. You're not there by accident. Some, some of you think you just wandered in aimlessly to the wilderness one day. You know, no, you're not there by accident because the Spirit's leading you. 
And just as he was faithful to lead you into the wilderness, he'll be faithful to lead you out of the wilderness. You just stay trusting, okay? Stay encouraged, stay strong. Don't camp, keep moving. Don't bail out. The Holy Spirit, he, he, he's a good guy, right? He's got, us, he's, he's got us by the hand, he's leading us. Don't yank your hand out of his hand. Don't, don't act like you're gonna do it by yourself. You're not, it's gonna be a lot longer in the wilderness. Let him continue to lead, right? You're not there by accident. Number two, you're not there alone. You're not there alone. You're led, you're not pushed. That, I hope that's encouraging for some people today because the wilderness, one of, its, one of its main things about it is you feel so alone when you're in the midst of it. You got financial troubles, you got marriage troubles, you got career issues and I don't know, maybe even sickness and injury and what, you feel so alone at times, but you're not there. Because if you were led, it means someone's holding your hand. And that someone is the Holy Spirit doing the leading. That, that's a good person to have with you in the wilderness. And number three, you're not gonna be there forever. You're not there by accident, you're not there alone, and you're not gonna be there forever. When God's purposes in your life in that season are completed and he's done doing the work in you and, and your faith is made stronger and your hope is ignited and your trust has found new levels, when God's done with all that, he will be faithful to lead you out. You won't be there forever. I'll say this, church, God is more concerned with your calling than he is your comfort at times. That's why he leads us to the wilderness. That's why he lets the Holy Spirit lead us to the wilderness because he cares more about our calling than he does our comfort. You know, the wilderness is not comfortable, is it? There's nothing comfortable about the wilderness. You know, sometimes I go to the gym to lift weights, right? I use that word loosely sometimes. So just very, very seldom. But sometimes I go to the gym, you know, with my friends or whatever, you know, and look, listen, like the couch is more comfortable than the bench press. Can we just say amen? You know what I mean? Like, like the, the treadmill is not as comfortable as the couch, right? So, so the gym is not comfortable. The weights are not comfortable. But you know what the weights are doing? They're making me stronger. They're making you stronger. Sometimes the wilderness that you're in right now, husband trying to lead your family, wife trying to lead your children, the, the wilderness you're in right now, it might not be comfortable, but it is making you stronger every step of the way. I wanna leave you with this, Romans chapter eight. Romans chapter eight reminds us of this. Those who are led by the Spirit of God, these are the children of God. If you're being led by the Spirit of God, these are the children of God. You know, I'm a father, I have a son who's nine months old, super awesome, he's a really cool kid. Like we're talking potential first round draft pick, so that's cool. Um, but you know, I, no good dad wants to see their kid fall on their face. Like no, no good father wants to do that. You know, even for those of you who have raised children who are now adults, there's, there's times and there's seasons in life where, where that, that child has to go through something. They gotta, they gotta walk through something. It's not gonna be fun maybe. It's not gonna be, it's not gonna be easy going. It's not gonna be comfortable. And, and you hate that your kids have to do that. But what does a good father and a good parent do? You kind of grab the kid by the hand and you're like, look, we'll do this, whatever this season is, we'll do it together. Like, I'm here with you. I don't wanna see this thing beat you down. I don't wanna see this thing uh, take your feet out from underneath you and leave you just on the ground. Like, look, we'll just do it. We'll do it together. I'm here, I'll lead you through it. I'll show you how it goes. I'll, I'll help you. And, and so if that's an earthly parent, imagine to the greater degree that our heavenly father wants to do that for us. He doesn't send you into a wilderness so that he can just laugh at your expense when your face hits the ground. No, he sends the Holy Spirit who's the helper and the advocate and the counselor to grab you by the hand and lead you every step of the way. 
I know it's gonna be difficult. I know it's gonna be tiring. I know it's gonna be harsh at times, but you're not alone and you're not here by accident and you won't be here forever. Because just as God was faithful in the beginning, He's faithful all the way to the end. And He'll see that work completed and finished in your life. Can I pray for you today, church? With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here today and you're in that wilderness, you're saying, I I've been here maybe for a while or maybe it just started recently. You're saying, Pastor Clay, pray for me. Pray for me. I I I'm trusting in God, I'm believing in God, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to keep my faith up, but but man, I, I need some strength. I need some, I need some supernatural strength. I need the Holy Spirit to help me with this one. If that's you, I just wanna pray over you. I just, just maybe put your hand in the air. Just go ahead and put it up. Hands up all over the place. Orange Park, St. John's, Church Online. Just go ahead and raise your hand wherever you're at right now. I wanna pray this over every single person listening to this word this morning. Hands up. Every, I knew I was preaching to some people. You're not alone. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray for every man and woman with their hand raised. God, I pray that you would give them wisdom and discernment as they're walking through this season in the wilderness. God, I thank you that they're not alone. Lord, we thank you that the Holy Spirit's with them every step of the way, God, that their faith is being made stronger, that, that their trust is going to new levels. But God, I pray that you would give them peace in the midst of this time. God, where the enemy tries to come and tempt and tempt them with doubt and tempt them to, the, to deny the ability for God to move, God, that you would bring such supernatural peace Lord, the turmoil that this wilderness has brought some households, God, I pray that your peace would reign on marriages and households and these circumstances in Jesus' name. And God, at the end of the day, we will trust you. We will say that you are our sufficient grace. God, you are all that we need. We'll trust you to the ends of the earth, knowing that, Lord, in your timing, you're gonna lead us out of here and into new power and freedom that's on the other side. In Jesus' name, you can put your hand down and with every eye closed, just one more time, I just wanna pray. If you're in this arena today or at one of our campuses and you've never been obedient, right? We talked about obedience. If you've never been obedient to salvation, to saying yes to Jesus Christ, maybe for the very first time, surrendering your life and placing faith in Jesus, receiving his grace, I wanna pray for you this morning. Maybe you're far from God, but you wanna come back into a real genuine relationship with Jesus. On the count of three, I just want you to put your hand up right where you're at. I wanna pray for you. One, two, three. Put your hand up. Lift it high, lift it bold. You're not the only one. There's hands up everywhere. At our campuses, you do the same. Lift it high. We have pastors at our campuses who are looking for your hands. They wanna pray with you. Hands up all over the place. Church, where you're seated right now, I just want us to repeat this prayer. You can say it after me. Many people with their hand raised might even be saying it for the very first time. Everyone say, Lord Jesus, today I recognize my need for you, that you are the way, the truth, and the life. I thank you for the cross, that you died and shed blood for me, that we might have a relationship with one another. I take my will and my plans, I throw them to the side. I pick up your will and your plans for my life. From this day on, I am yours and you are mine. In Jesus' name, everyone said amen. Come on, now let's put our hands together and let's give God a shout of praise. Come on, people giving their life to Jesus. Come on. Thank you for tuning in to today's podcast. For more information about Celebration Church or to get in touch with us, please visit celebration.org.